0: Welcome aboard. You are listening to Space Cadets. We are your hosts, Sinead and... Kat. And we hope you launch into the mental health space as off
1: approved. Yes, I started. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we'll, welcome back to Space Cadets. We'll just like to start off with an acknowledgement of country. So I would like to acknowledge that we are currently meeting on Ngunnawal and Nambri land and that sovereignty was never ceded. We'll also like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the continuous um, oppression of our First Nations people. And also that this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I've been doing this a lot. Um, So we have a special guest with us today. Talking about autism. Do you want to introduce yourself, Phil?
2: Uh, Yeah. Hi. uh, My name's Phil. I'll be talking a bit about my experiences um, with being diagnosed and, I suppose, living with uh, ASD, and also just some different things regarding, I guess, uh, the general community and sort of my experiences and stigmas and and the like. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
1: And what are your pronouns?
2: (laughs) Uh, Sorry. I he him. Sorry. My apologies.
1: So um, Phil also has um, been diagnosed since he was in year nine um, in high school, so kind of a late diagnosis, which is interesting as well, because I feel like most people who are diagnosed with autism get diagnosed earlier. And there's this whole like media fight um, in order to like delay diagnosis, which not a great idea. Happens a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just start off with, hey Phil, what's your diagnostic experience? Because you said it was quite unique. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: It was it was certainly interesting because um for I think like for a little while uh in sort of preschool, so like before um I went straight into primary school, I noticed that there were already and that I rather like my parents noticed as well, that there were some uh unique differences in how I was interacting um, with kids and forming friendships. I was already like very um, fixated on particular things. So while kids uh, like in general, it is generalization, but are very like exploratory of their surroundings and of sort of other friends, I would kind of find a particular thing like like the way that a board book was bound or something very specific and focus on that as like the sole basis of my personality. Um, so I would, yeah, like uh, I remember at one point um, in like a playgroup thing, this is like the year before preschool, I would constantly go around with like that board book and sort of go up to people and talk about the way it looked <laughs> and the way it was bound. And I think that like my parents are sort of like, that's unique But everyone is entitled to their own proclivities, and so
1: is Phil. (laughs) Is Phil just a geek, or is this something else?
2: I think they might have put it down.
1: just, Just have a nerd kid. Yeah, <laughs> they, they put
2: it, yeah, that's what I mean. Like they, they sort of put it down to very yeah similar things to that, and I think that they, we kind of dropped it. No one really looked into it. Uh, when it's like you no, know, like my parents uh, or like kind of teachers never really looked into it as something that could be like a proper diagnosis. But the evidence uh, was sort of there early, <laughs> um, and then yeah. So as as Kat mentioned, um, I was diagnosed sort of towards the end of year nine, which is quite late, um, and that actually came about because for most of year nine, I experienced a lot of really severe mental health episodes so just like kind of with um, severe anxiety and depression and I think that I guess my parents having to take a different look at my psyche with how I was handling sort of those um, yeah those experiences in year nine and the way I was processing them they were kind of like this seems I mean, they, look maybe they didn't use the most inclusive language, but yeah. they were like, it seems very abnormal to what we understand of people of your age group with such with things like anxiety and depression. I think um my my GP, who'd been the GP for my family ever since we moved to Canberra, so when I was like five, um, never said anything outright about like, oh, have you potentially considered um, that he could be like neurodivergent or, or autistic or something like that. Um, but that, he was sort of very much like, oh, these strategies we notice tend to send you in a completely different direction to most general people of your age group. Um, and and experience and I think that um by the time that I came out of sort of a lot of those episodes I suppose in in year nine so I was, I was already doing pretty well but I it had kind of been etched in my mind really uh, deeply that I was functioning in a particularly different way including how I not only perceived my own emotions but how I perceived the emotions and actions of others and how I sort of saw the world Symbiotically around me, I suppose, it was very different to what everyone told me, and I couldn't really shake that idea anymore. So I, I discussed it with my parents. They're so like, "Oh yeah, we'll book into your psychologist and see if they they can maybe do um a, a diagnosis for you, or just have a chat about it at least, and see if it's a possibility, uh, because that might sort of help you get a better understanding of yourself, sort of moving forward if you ever are to have sort of these um." I don't necessarily want to call them episodes but sort of these moments again or like periods of your life which are which are particularly tough and you don't quite know how to navigate them uh, efficiently um and so I went and I got diagnosed and the thing that was really interesting about that one and I believe that it's changed now so this was yeah like late 2014 or potentially January 2015.
1: Oh, so old. <laughs> yeah I
2: know look uh, you, you can't see me on the camera but my gray hair is falling out as we speak. Yes yeah, um, weird. <laughs> oh I wish. <laughs> are
1: thing.
2: you vaping as well Sinead? I should have bought my vape yes. as well. I'm so uncool. Um,
0: yeah,
2: you are. <laughs> <laughs> I? You should
0: have bought it's, all right. it's all right. I completely spaced on the fact that I, oh, I'm sorry. I completely spaced on the fact that um, I had this until I saw Kat. So I'm just following the trend.
2: I think mine's in my car downstairs damn it
1: <laughs> we'll fetch it up later
2: all right cool we'll do an ad, an ad break halfway through we'll read our sponsors <laughs> um so well, oh yeah and so we I, I believe it's changed now from my understanding I don't want to like state that as fact just in case but I wasn't of like that adult age bracket just yet where they could do like an adult diagnosis which mm. at that time I think was more just like conversational he had like a very rigid plan and formula for how he was going to diagnose me and that included things that you would normally do I guess with it. Okay people say like, like an, age, an age child. five yeah <laughs> so one of them was that he he set me down as someone who yeah was going to turn 16 in five months and gave me a bunch of dolls and toys and props <laughs> and he was like okay make a story with this and I was like what the fuck <laughs> um I Ooh. he was yeah he was so um I think there was like a knight uh, a prince and a princess and then like a, like a hairbrush or some really weird prop um and he was just like okay you have like one minute to formulate a story with these um items in your head and then you're supposed to act it out for me using the items um to, to indicate who's talking whatever and in the end I w- I thought like I had a story in my mind I guess it was like a very vague story but like I felt that it was so strange that he was asking me to do this that when he kind of said like okay now it's your turn to, to do this like make believe play I kind of just described the, the plot of what I wanted the story to be without moving the action figures at all because it felt so weird as someone who was going into year 10 to the final year of like high school in the ACT um and having to do this and then so he marked that down as like you know a big no-no and he was like oh yeah he can't even like talk to me properly it's classic autism but I think it was a bit more complicated than that I think it was a lot of the social awareness of what I was doing as well um another thing that he asked me which I found a very weird thing to ask for a diagnosis is he asked me if I had a girlfriend and I sort of understand and I might not agree with it entirely yeah but I sort of understand it a little bit for like much younger children and kind of like seeing how they understand the world and it's like do they understand what the concept of having a partner is and sort of what will they say about it but he asked me that and already at that age I think people start forming legitimate relationships now I wasn't in a relationship at the time and I was very aware of that but I kind of just said no and then I sort of like wanted to elaborate on that a little bit more so I was like oh but you know got this crush on this girl in my class yeah. and you know I think she likes me too so you know never say never not. I tried to make it a bit of a joke but again he must have looked at that and been like well that seems like autism to me um your jokes do go over
1: people's heads quite a lot
2: <laughs> I think that they do a little bit um I think I just don't this is genuinely I was going to talk about this a bit later but like genuinely I think part of it is that I can understand sarcasm in a way not everyone can I can understand it but I don't think I can convey it as effectively as people might need me to convey it to know that I'm joking
1: so he always says I'm joking after every single joke.
2: I just need to make sure, because otherwise <laughs> something could be a bit problematic.
1: Yeah, and I don't pick up on sarcasm. Just want to clarify. Yeah.
2: Well, exactly. I feel like that's a healthy thing yeah. to do to make sure that no one hates me too much. Like, and just a healthy amount of hate.
1: I don't understand sarcasm with jokes at all. So I just assume everything everyone's saying is a joke. That's oh, how, how, how I get through find life. That
0: helpful, <laughs> that's how I get through life.
1: Um, which Honestly... Is
0: yeah. honestly same. like I can I don't know I'm sometimes like really bad at vibing when someone's being sarcastic I'll just look at them for a second and like it takes my brain like an extra second to like work out whether they're being sarcastic or not from like the context and you know it's just like the little like loading symbol yeah. like. <laughs> I, I,
1: I just assume and unless they repeat themselves and get more angry then I I know that they're telling the truth and that they're not trying to joke with yeah. me and I'm like oh this is a serious circumstance gotcha
2: <laughs> but sarcasm over text is the hardest thing oh, to decipher yeah. I don't know if it's the similar with you guys
1: my ex used to have to do the slash s thing slash s, yeah there's a lot of different types of um text components where it helps you decipher tone because they just write down the tone yeah um and that's the only thing that's ever helped me. Well,
2: it's like the equivalent of me saying I'm kidding in person. It's yeah, exactly.
1: Um, also, this claim we are a lot, never been diagnosed, but I suspect I'm somewhere on the spectrum. Um, from conversations with mm-hmm. Phil, from conversations with other um, autistic friends of mine. And also just like having joined a lot of groups where the majority of the voices are autistic and going like, huh yeah no that makes sense
2: yeah like you start to relate I think a bit too much and too personally to all these things like oh it's a possibility and again like that's how I started getting my diagnosis Mm. I was like oh it's a possibility and having a diagnosis may be beneficial not just in personal life but also in professional life too like going into workplaces and identifying as someone that might need a little bit of extra assistance or clarification in certain areas is actually really helpful because I find that people in general, and I'm not saying that they're mean spirited on purpose, maybe it could just be like a lack of awareness. Mm. But I find like without a proper diagnosis, certain behaviors are less excuse, well, not so much excused, but more like exactly, kind of like, well, yeah, it's sort of like, well, how come you are like this? You know, yeah. like it's so simple. You should just be able to do this.
1: It's the same with like ADHD and being typed as lazy, right? Mm. If you don't have the diagnosis it's really hard to prove that you're not lazy you just have like a severe level low level of dopamine and so you have like your brain actively wants to underdo,
2: mm. yeah or it
1: actively under this thing so you want to actively overdo things to compensate yeah um but because no one can really see in your brain it's hard to sort of make that connection yeah. um yeah so um i guess well, you went through like um, how you were like, huh, this is how we came to the diagnosis. What was the sort of initial appointment for you like
2: um, besides
1: the like whole doll thing?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, the, there were bits of the diagnosis, like the test, which I think were probably handy. Um, and that was actually more that was more like the conversational side of it, which is why I think it's it's good that like diagnosis is more based on conversation I think these days my understanding of it then like set criteria like what does he do with the dolls as an example Um, because I think well first of all I I think had a bit of an advantage because this is the same psychologist I'd already gone to when I was dealing with my heavy anxiety and depression so I think he understood my psyche a bit more so when we had more of a conversational side of things like how like how do you feel when you feel sad how do you feel when you feel excited do you like often look into the future that kind of stuff like that Um, he kind of I was able to sort of be like, as you know, I feel like this. And he was sort of able to draw back on that. So thankfully wasn't with a completely fresh professional. Um, and he almost actually didn't give me a diagnosis, funnily enough, even though like all the stuff with the dolls and him asking me if I had a girlfriend was like apparently box ticking. Uh, (laughs) he he uh he was like, Look, based on the conversation, I think that I was almost not going to give it to you because it just seems like maybe you are you relate slightly differently, but you have enough understanding and principle of what we as society deem as like human interaction to not be diagnosed. But then he was like, however, I also see that maybe you mask really well and so yeah. therefore I'm going to give you the diagnosis yeah. anyway because you've now gone up to the age of 16 in your life or almost 16 not having a diagnosis and you've you've achieved enough that would be considered like oh these, these are neurotypical achievements yeah. yeah and he's like but yeah. I saw, he was kind of like I see through you which <laughs> felt really weird at the time but I am overall thankful that I have the diagnosis yeah. um because it's, it's, it's helped me to understand a few things I think, yeah. throughout the years
1: and like that's a major thing as well is that a lot of um therapeutic means that um are currently being researched in the study of autism um sort of indicate that um these psychologists want or like people who are in psychological science really want to like figure out how to mask from an earlier age so that people yeah. so autistic children can fit better into society and like you're just Encouraging them to mask from an early age, making it harder for autistic people to get a diagnosis for the fucking autism. Pretty much, and masking doesn't alleviate any of the symptoms. In fact, it actually burdens you and makes it harder because you have to put in all that effort to just seem normal. Yeah, and yeah, that's why like your diagnosis is very unique in the sense that you were diagnosed from a much older age. Um, on like a
2: children's test. (laughs) Yeah, on a
1: children's test and that most people with autism um, or most autistic people are diagnosed from a much earlier age. I think my parents almost saw the diagnosis for me when I was younger because I was very, I was mute um, for three years and they were like, pretty sure your child's supposed to speak at some point within your first or second year. (laughs) Um, but I could only say one word. And that was the word we used for milk, which was nene. So I would just point to everything and just say nene. Because that's the only thing I knew for certain I can say that. Yeah,
2: look. Um, that.
1: I couldn't even say mama or papa, ba, or which would have been like the easy, the first words of a baby. Mm. I could say, yeah, I could only say the word for milk. I had a lot of speech troubles, which is associated Sometimes with like the more visible side of autism, yeah. from what I understand. Um, severe speech impediments when I was younger, um, really bad at social interactions and stuff like that. But my parents took me to a speech therapist and they're like, Is she slow And they tell this story to a lot of people, which makes me feel a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, and the it's speech therapist kind
2: of like sir- about our yeah, And the
1: speech therapist, not a psychologist, <laughs> speech therapist was like, nah. I don't think she is (laughs) and then they were like yep okay that's fact now let's move on yeah (laughs) yeah asian communities also find it hard to just diagnose in general unless it's like super 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 debilitating and you can't mask beyond it
2: right interesting
1: yeah but like my masking's gotten to the point where i hate looking people in the eyes it no it creeps me out but i look at their entire faces and that's how I get through, like, looking at them. Yeah. And they think I'm looking at the eyes, but I'm looking at the details around their eyes so it can be like, ooh, there's a cool pimple. Well,
2: that was one of my best masks, yeah. too, looking at that little bit between the eye and the eyebrow yeah. because, it like, it almost looks like eye contact, but yeah. I'm not being that confrontational and it's the perfect middle ground.
1: My dad used to make me look at people's noses, but I knew that people could tell I was well, looking yeah, at Well, yeah, because your, so your
2: eyes are then too far down. Yeah. You have to have, like, a perfect yeah. vision. Even eyebrows I your eye
1: bags and, like, the corners of your eyes. Same.
2: <laughs>
0: Why is this so relatable?
1: Because, oh, we can do a little segue into the comorbidities (laughs) of autism. So ADHD and autism have a lot of overlap. Sensory issues, um, executive dysfunction, um, inability to regulate emotions correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Quote-unquote correctly. Correctly. And general stuff like that. Um, there is a lot of overlap which is why it's also hard to get diagnosed with both because some of m- maybe majority of your symptoms from autism are within the overlap and you've already been diagnosed with ADHD and maybe you have ADHD yeah it's really hard to be like yeah I have enough but, like- to show that I have autism as well oh no oh you've just appeared on Sinead. Sinead come back okay
2: you're back was it something I said i am
0: back sorry i think internet, i don't think it's my internet i don't want to like blame your internet but i don't think it's
2: my no internet. On, on the computer it says oh. ours is unstable so we'll take the oh, okay
0: mine is not telling me mine is unstable but no i was gonna add as well like, i was gonna add as well like obviously you know like this like sometimes i hear like my autistic friends say stuff and i'm like "Fuck, that's so relatable and i'm like oh god but um i like then I, you know, like because after I got my ADHD like diagnosis or like the informal ADHD diagnosis, I like started looking into, you know, like the like comorbidities and like other symptoms with like autism and things like that. But, you know, I eventually came to the conclusion that like I, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure I don't have autism and the, the chance of it is not something I have the energy to pursue right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's actually is uh, hard and draining to pursue a diagnosis, yeah. especially as an adult when you're doing it all yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: And and expensive. Fact, yeah. And something we would like to tell anyone who's listening and is worried that their autism is invalid. Like, um from my understanding, the autism community actually accepts um, self-diagnosis purely because getting diagnosed is a privilege. Um, yeah. A lot of people have the time, the energy or the financial means in order to seek a diagnosis. And as you get older, it gets increasingly harder to do so. Mm. And so self-diagnosis is a valid thing um, for autism. It's probably a valid thing for a lot of other things like ADHD as well. Like I would accept self-diagnosis just purely because a lot of people who have self-diagnosed have later gone on once they were able to, to get a like clinical diagnosis because They were right. <laughs> and, auto- and people with ADHD tend to gravitate towards each other. So if your friends have it and they suspect you have it and you suspect you have it, you probably have it.
2: I mean, I'm not in too many like uh, autistic communities, I suppose. Like I've got a few support, like mostly online support groups that I'm in, uh, just because I find it really interesting to hear yeah other people's experiences too. And ask and and answer questions as well but yeah definitely for um I mean for any age bracket it's valid for sure but like um speaking especially financially that kind of like between year 12 to like maybe 25 to when you like got an established career is when Who have of- an
1: established career at 25 oh my god We'd We'd hope. Get it. we
2: get <laughs> I'm <it>. not 25
1: <laughs> no you're an APS so we get it you have a look job. <laughs> I wasn't gonna
2: bring it up in the podcast but yes I am employed <laughs> <laughs> part-time <laughs> um no but like A lot of people, I think in that bracket is when they start to, they get out of that school environment that they've been so familiar with for so long. And then they kind of start to develop themselves a bit more. And that's when they start to question things like maybe um, I've got like symptoms of autism, ADHD, uh, whatever. But then like, because it's so expensive because it could cost like, your tuition and all your textbooks just to get the possibility of a diagnosis. People like do a lot of self-reflection and their own very valid research and and often do self-diagnose. And I've seen really nothing but positivity and acceptance for it in communities, which I find really good.
1: I find it really good as well. Um, Also, just the fact of trying to seek a diagnosis. I think we talked about this last time with Azra. Um, You get scared because you're like, what if I've been through all this trouble? What if I like tricked myself into thinking I have something I don't have Um, and you have a lot of fears coming in because you've been invalidating your feelings for so long you've been invalidating your symptoms for so long and so you're like what if it was right to invalidate them this entire time Mm. what if these didn't exist and I just made them up Um, but the fact is like it is your mind doing these things and your mind technically Mm. you makes everything up the world is made up of everything so in that sense
2: you're not quite really, existential eh? you're not
1: really going against anything the world is like why, why do I have a limit
2: oh no we're running out of time
1: uh, oh no i can't upgrade i don't know how to use the ANU zoom that's okay we All can, right we can
0: report, we can just record it in two parts
1: yeah yeah that's fine part well, one um,
0: with Sinead, part two fans sinead i'm getting left or oh, i'm leaving but i i still feel abandoned Sinead is leaving us
2: why we sinead? feel abandoned why would you do this? Uh, I came on here just for you.
0: Because I don't want to fail my course. That's okay. that's very fair. Because
2: people listening will support that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> I
1: hope. Um, I really don't want to fail my courses either. I've been doing manifestations and I think they're really working. I've okay. manifested getting to the next. We're, hour hour. Out, of
0: I We're out of Mercury Retrograde. Um, it's yes. going to get better here.
1: <laughs> I really hope so. In the middle of Mercury. Curie retrograde. I lost a friend. I lost the love.
0: Oh
2: no! Didn't
1: really lose the love. We still say I love you, but yeah.
2: Well, there you go then.
1: Ooh, a little sneak peek into Cat's <laughs> personal life.
2: How yeah,
1: we fine. love to
0: hear it. We love to hear it. We love the drama, or at least I don't know if you guys do, but I love. I mean, I don't like participating in drama, but I love hearing about drama.
1: I love hearing about drama. I hate participating in drama.
2: I, I wait for other people to participate so I can hear about it.
1: Yeah. I'm just like I need to live this drama vicariously through you no. because I know that I won't possibly be I'm like affected. I hate
2: drama but I'm like tell me everything that happened and all the fights you had
1: yeah it's really fun
2: guys we're not toxic for anyone listening we're really healthy
1: no. we're good friends <laughs> um good yeah so just testimonials. Old... what did you want to say
0: I I, oh, I just said to the friend thing I've got testimonials
1: testimonials Ooh. people
0: will testify that i am a good friend i hope
1: will they <laughs> i hope but if you get like one bad yelp review and then like your score goes
0: <laughs> down from five to three
2: your whole business will have to close you've got to start it's up like a
0: it's like the, the uber drivers rating you like i got so offended when my uber like because i used to have like a five-star uber rating and then it dropped to like 4.8 and i was like what
2: I freaking hate that. It's like I didn't even vomit in your car, and you're gonna mark me down. What the yeah, hell? I held exactly. it in. Exactly.
0: I'm
1: like, what I, did I do? I think I got marked down this one time because I was trying to find my friend because we sent the police to her to make sure she was okay. Oh, that sounds. And I was just like, let's go in it. A- I was like freaking out and I was like blubbering and I was just like, just drop here. No, go there, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh,
2: yeah. But
1: that's like understandable. But like Uber driver, please have some empathy.
2: Yeah, that's a particular kind of incident though. Yeah. I feel like it get marked down based on how loudly you slam yeah. the door.
1: There was this other, yeah. That's what <laughs> I've been told because um, Elvis has like a five-star Uber rating and I'm like, oh, one of my friends has a five-star Uber rating and his trick is to leave the car going like oh that was fantastic I'm gonna give you five stars so that they have in your mind oh this is a switch we're mm-hmm. gonna exchange five star ratings for each other and I'm like that's yes. genius
2: it's an agreement um,
1: and there was this one time where I stopped breathing in the back of an uber Ooh. my friend was just like please pull over we need to get an ambulance and he's like nah when you leave
2: <laughs> oh my gosh what
1: the fuck yeah <laughs> she reported him so that's fine Uber drivers are wild.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, money. what, are they going to mark you down because you stopped being alive in the oh, Uber? Oh,
1: no. I don't think it was my Uber. Like, okay. remember, I start. Start the next day feeling start fine. In the back because I'm going day. like, "Cat, you died. I'm like, haha, very funny. And he's like, no, for serious. Ooh. And I'm like, this isn't a joke. <laughs> Question mark. I can't tell from your tone. Um, yeah.
2: That's a lesson. Gonna Watch find- how much you drink, kids. Yeah.
1: And this podcast is basically going to be a self-discovery of Cat going like, I'm self-diagnosing myself <laughs> as we speak. Um, yeah, but I'm gonna seek a diagnosis at some point after I'm done with all my exam stress. I think I need to.
2: One thing at a time. It can be quite yeah. taxing though, mostly. Yeah,
1: But also just the way that like someone was like pointing to me going, like, I'm gonna call it you have you have autism. Um, was the exact same way one of my friends told me that I had ADHD. So I'm just like. Parallels, parallels.
2: Actually, that's funny because um, I don't know many people. I think I have both diagnoses. I think you are lumped. There's so much like overlap, but you are kind of usually you end up with one or the other.
1: Yeah, because of the
2: overlap, people aren't like, oh, this is clearly separately ASD and then separately ADHD. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's a worthwhile field, I think, for people who have comorbidities to look at the comorbidities and see if anything else aligns as well, Mm. or any if anything else aligns better, perhaps. Because I know like um with ADHD, BPD it often gets misdiagnosed as BPD in women. Um mm. and b- it's because they have so many overlapping symptoms as well. The only real difference is that BPD is caused by trauma. ADHD mm. just happens when you're a child. Yeah. <laughs> Pre like primary school age.
2: I think sometimes people can't really um I acknowledge just how much um crossover or overflow there is yeah. between the two. Cause like a lot of I feel like if you get both diagnoses, there's a bit of like it's an unsaid stigma almost. And I think we are making like good progress with it, but it's almost like that you're double dipping on diagnosis in a way. It's like, well, you either have this or you either yeah. have that, you know.
1: And like how can your symptoms be actually two things at once? Yeah. But that like these um diagnoses are just to help you understand like the ways in which your brain works and your brains might work in two different ways at the same time.
2: And then you have two sort of supports and two ways of understanding yourself.
0: Yeah. No. And yeah, like on the BPD thing as well, like I have a friend who like got diagnosed with BPD and like, you know, like it it wasn't a misdiagnosis per se, like she got additionally diagnosed with ADHD later, but it was the fact that, you know, she was able to get diagnosed with like BPD years before, like she was able to get diagnosed with ADHD as well. Like Mm. I know that this like isn't the point of like this, part but you know like people are still so wary to diagnose like I guess ADHD but like also like autism and kids I don't know like why I mean I I know why it's the stigma but I don't know yeah like logically I know why emotionally I don't know why you know um on that very very fun and fruity note I feel like I'm gonna have to dip so apologies for my like half presence in this episode um but I have a group project it is week 11 um and I am stressed (laughs)
1: <laughs> and she needs a hug. Give her a hug, everyone.
0: many Good hugs. God. Yes. Okay. Alrighty, I will see you guys later. Yeah, and uh, enjoy the, rest of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah.